Welcome to HBRV Lifestyle, the podcast. I am the host, the Honey Badger, here to give it to you straight and transparent about the RV business. Transparent about the RV business. Uh, you know, this has been um, a journey this year in 2023. My theme of the week on every episode that I recorded has been to try and inspire you. Um, this is the first time I'm recording clips for YouTube um, this week. All I've done is put full episodes on. And I want to continue this trend this week because today's the 20th, tomorrow's the 21st. Tomorrow's my last episode till Christmas is over. Um, <clears throat> number one, because i got to get over this cold. I've had this cold for about two weeks, and I'm sniffling up a storm. My nose feels like it's just full of snot, and my cough and my throat has been irritable, and I know it's really irritating to try to listen to me when all you hear is <laughs> all the time, right? So um, bear with me. So I want to start today's episode with a story that touches my heart. It's a personal um, <clears throat> story about an actual customer of mine from when I first started in this industry as a full-time salesperson with Giant RV. And uh, Art, if you're listening, Lonnie, if you're listening, Wild Bill, if you're listening, put in the comments section if you guys remember this. So I teamed up with a friend, what became a friend of mine named Sal. Sal is, uh, was an ex-cop. And him and I used to talk to this guy named Terry all the time. Terry was a postmaster. And he came in for two and a half years. I'm almost, he'd, he'd count down the days to retirement. Wouldn't buy anything before he retired. Refused. Not going to buy a truck, not going to buy a trailer until I retire. And I asked him why, and he said, well, it's just not a smart move for me to do. And I used to ask him all the time. I used to tell him, well, look, you're at the time he was 66 years old. <clears throat> and I go, you know, by the time you retire at 68, Terry, you're, you're, you're are you really going to feel up to doing this for multiple years? Just trying to put something in his mind, like start early. You know, you're two years out, you have weekends off. No, 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 wouldn't do it, wouldn't do it. And back then, I was doing it for talking for different purposes. I wanted to get the psychology of somebody. I was still pretty fresh into trailer sales. Motorized customers are very different, or at least they were different back then. Most motorized customers back in the 2009, 2010, 2011, 12 era already owned a few RVs. So very different from someone that, jumps into a travel trailer for the first time. So I really like, it's different today than it was back then. So back then it was very just psychological for me. Like you didn't just jump into a motor home and 
go camp. You went through a process. <clears throat> so Terry comes to me two and a half years later. He just retired and something very interesting happened. What Terry did was he went down and bought this beautiful Chevy 1500. And at the time I was busy, so I gave him to Saul and Saul found him this Terry travel trailer. It was a used one, a couple years old. Fleet, nice Fleetwood travel trailer. <clears throat> and Saul is like, man, you followed up with that guy for two and a half years and we finally sell him and now you got to split the commission. I said, oh, it was 100% worth it to me. I almost split almost every deal with Saul at one point just because he was a really good partner, really good guy to work with. So we all hug and, and high five and off he goes. It was on a, on a Wednesday that he picked up the travel trailer. Sunday morning, I see him with three ladies. One of them I assumed was his wife, which I later found out was his wife. I'm like, oh no, what happened to the travel trailer? And the look on the three young ladies' lives was just devastating. And I'm like, oh my God, did they get in an accident? The trailer, you know, worse things are coming in your head. Like, oh my God, they didn't want, he, did, he didn't want me in there. He didn't want Saul in there. He wanted straight to my manager. His name was Lonnie. And Lonnie's look was not of anger or frustration, but it was like a sadness in Lonnie's heart. And the reason why is because Terry had gotten the travel trailer home on Wednesday afternoon, went out to plug it in and load it up on Thursday for his very first ever RV trip, and he was planning on going to Yosemite. Remember, I was working in California, so that was his first stop, and he had all this routes planted, planned out with him and his wife to head out to all these national parks. Terry collapsed in his driveway that Thursday morning. Doesn't remember it. Doesn't remember grabbing his arm. Doesn't remember anything like that. Just collapses. Wakes up in the hospital. They assume eight, nine hours later, they ran tests. He had stage four cancer. And I don't remember where the cancer was but they said that it would have metastasized into his brain. And they said that he needed to get his affairs in order because he was probably, they gave him, like they said, it could be days, it could be weeks. It will be soon. <clears throat> and there's nothing they could do about it. So just imagine that. Waited his whole life, worked his whole freaking life, And refused to do anything because he wasn't retired. 
Just imagine that. Had every weekend off, made a good living, didn't have hardly any bills, but refused to even start his dream because he wasn't retired. So he wrote, I, I got to find the letter. I got to see if my mom has it. I'm going up to Oregon for Christmas. So maybe I can get in and find if I could find the letter. He wrote me this beautiful letter before he passed away. He died, he, he died nine days later. So not nine days after he sold back the motor home, or the, I'm sorry, the travel trailer, and then uh, sold us the, the truck, the company, the truck. He wrote me this beautiful letter that his wife would later bring to me. And he mentioned in the letter that I have been telling him for two and a half years that him and I have been talking that why not do it now, enjoy the weekends. And my reasons weren't because I thought he was dying. My reasons were, well, shit, man, if you could get five weekend trips a year out of it, maybe a one week, You'll be a pro by the time you retire. That was my thing. Like, shoot, man, you're one of the few people I know that makes good living, has hardly any bills, has his house paid for. And in the letter, he explained to me that he was raised not to spend money until... He had the time. And his biggest regret wasn't that he waited till he retired, but his biggest regret was that he was scared out of a weird kind of fear to not do anything, including RVing, until he was retired because that's how he was brought up. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because there's too many of us that put our lives on hold, period, and a report. That's what happens. I hear it every day for 15 years. Now, I had his wife's phone number on the letter. She passed away about five years ago. So I no longer give out the letter. But for five and a half years, I handed out a copy of that letter to anybody that said they were waiting three years till they retire. Now, if they told me they were six months away, three months away, four months away from retirement, I kind of let things play out. But if they said anything beyond a year, I gave them the letter. And I said, and one guy, the first guy I ever did, he says, what is this? You're not going to try to convince me like every other salesperson? I go, no. I'm going to let the letter speak for itself. It's either going to make you, it, it, I always said the words, it's either going to make you inspired or it's going to make you go, that guy's full of crap. I was very blunt, bold, and disgustingly, like beyond transparent. I was kind of a narcissistic ass for a long time 
in this business as a salesperson. People are like, how the hell are you selling RVs? You're such an ass to people. Well, I wasn't trying to be an ass. I was just being real. Like, everybody complains they can't get the truth out of anybody. I just boldface tell you the truth, and you either took it or you didn't. That's how I looked at it. And I was very successful. And two out of ten people I'd hand the letter to would be back within three days and buy an RV. Of any kind. A little travel trailer, a truck camper, something maybe used. Didn't matter. I had one guy, 62 years old, came by with a letter and said, my wife and I are convinced we are, but we changed our mind. We want to go into a motor home. So I explained to them, you know, cause that's become a trend in the last 10 years. So I take him out. I sell him a diesel pusher. And back then I had more time to call people. I used to call all my clients. If you were a client of mine, Back in 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12, if you guys remember me at all, let me know in the comments section if you're on YouTube. Um, I used to call everybody, birthday, Christmas, New Year's, 4th of July, or if not, back then I used to send an email, and once in a while I'd send a text. Texting wasn't as big back then as it is today. <clears throat> So he goes out with his wife and uh, 2012 rolls around. They had the motorhome for a year and a half and his wife died of a heart attack randomly in the state of Virginia. And he held on to the motorhome for about two more years and traveled in it and finished the road trip that they had started that they wanted to do. It was very romantic, very beautiful. He came to turn it in and he gave me the biggest fucking hug I've ever had in my life from a man and said, if you didn't push me to do this, I would have never had those 18 months with my wife. Thank you. It's, it's, it's one of those things, guys, that is, it's not talked about. It's taboo for a salesperson or a person in the sales industry to push people. It's considered rude. It's considered obnoxious. You know, I wouldn't buy from anybody like that. I was like that for years. I sold more RVs from 2011 to 2015 than any RV sales person in the country. And it wasn't because I was the best. Far from the best. I'm not the most talented. I am not the big silver-tongued devil everybody assumes I would be. I just greeted and treated people with respect that I know they want to buy. But I got to find the button that pushes them to give themselves permission. And that's what we're missing. That's what every one of you is missing that's not RVing right now. If you're RVing right now, 
you already had that button pushed. You either did it yourself or somebody did it for you. But if you haven't jumped into the lifestyle yet, you just got to find the right person that's going to push the right button to get your ass motivated to follow your dream. To follow a goal. You cannot plan this out perfectly. There are too many factors that are outside of our control as human beings to plan things perfectly. And that goes for anything in life. Weddings, vacations. Sometimes shit just goes wrong. And sometimes that alarm clock that goes off or that stopwatch that goes off when it's the end of our term here on this earth. And if you're of Christian faith like myself, the gateways to heaven, we don't know when they'll open for us. If you're of Muslim uh, culture and religion, you don't know when the God of Abraham is going to come and get you. You don't know when Allah is going to click the stopwatch and say it's time to come back. It is something that is completely out of our control. Now, what I'm not saying to do is go nuts, people. Go spend every dime you got, every minute you have. If you're having problem paying your bills, go buy an RV anyway. No. This goes for any dream. I was scared out of my flipping mind to start a YouTube channel. I was afraid if I said the wrong thing, I was afraid if I did the wrong thing that I was going to be completely blacklisted from the industry. I thought when I started this podcast that I was going to be thrown out in the streets. Never happened. I was afraid of a lot of things in my life, but I did them anyway. Because I know time in life is short. My, my wife lost her son when he was 14 years old to a brain aneurysm. 14-year-old kid goes to bed one night, wakes up the next morning in a pool of blood. Life's just really short. Go ask anybody that has a kid with cancer, uncurable, untreatable cancers that are in St. Jude's Hospital. Think about that. 
think about the fact that the longer you put shit off of living your life, the more you may never be able to do it. I'm in a city called Pahrump, Nevada. That's where I live. <clears throat> it's a one-hour drive from the Las Vegas Strip in Nevada. When you go to Vegas, it is a city of dreams. Fake illusions, but still dreams. People go to dreams of fortune and fame. And some people make it. Most people fail. But even the people that fail, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, go back with the story of the attempt. Guys who go and play in the World Series of Poker, tens of thousands of people play in the World Series of Poker every year. And only a few people get a bracelet or a trophy or a prize. But yet if you made it to day three, that memory of just sitting down and playing in the biggest poker tournament ever to be played every year, you did it. You either paid for it and saved out of your own pocket or you won some kind of satellite or you worked really hard to find a way to earn a seat. It's a story. It's a story of failure, but it's a story of living. I live in a town that I call literally Death Valley. There are a lot of people that waited till they retired before they did anything and did everything according to plan. Waited till they retired to get on social security. I gotta wait for my social security to kick in before I do anything. They should talk to the guy that I just talked to that was paralyzed not 10 years ago, is walking around today. Not 10 years ago, this man was bedridden and paralyzed. And he's up walking around and says, there may be no tomorrow for me. So we're going to do everything within our means without destroying my wife's life. We're going to do everything in our means to go do fun things while I still have a heartbeat. And I have a ton of retired folks in this community that can barely scrap anything to eat because they never lived. They took out reverse mortgages so that way, because a reverse mortgage is a great retirement plan, so a supplement your social security. And then they lived 15 years longer than was planned, and now they're living in a 
old beat up 1970s RV in the middle of the desert with no electricity because they can't afford it. They didn't just sell the house, move into something smaller and more manageable and go follow their retirement dream, whatever that may have been. The median income in my, the city I live in is $2,400 a month. And to listen to some of the stories breaks my heart. There are some people out here, obviously, that did everything right. And they just decided to be full-time RVers and downsized their life from a five-bedroom home to an RV. And now they travel around all over hell and gone carrying on and causing a ruckus. I've met plenty of those people. They live in the city full time. But probably half of the people that live here in this city of Pahrump, Nevada don't have two nickels to rub together because at the end of the day, they depended on what the government said to do. They did everything that Fox News and CNN and MSNBC and ABC all said. They listened to Bill O'Reilly, took everything he said as if it was God. They went out and listened to guys that pitched a reverse mortgage. That's nine out of ten people that can't rub two nickels together here in this town. It's the same sad story. A reverse mortgage. The house was falling apart. They needed a new roof. They had to take extra money out of their savings to fix the roof. And their income's been cut down to almost nothing with Social Security. It makes me want to cry. Don't wait on your dreams for all the stars to line up. Or you may end up like that, alone, in a travel trailer that's falling apart with no air conditioner, with no electricity, sitting in front of a slot machine, playing a penny at a time, Hoping to win that jackpot. Because if only you could win that jackpot, it would solve all your problems. Don't end up like that. And if you are that person and you're listening to this, climb out of it. Remember what it was like to strap on your bootstrap and not be so prideful to not ask your family for help. And if your family doesn't want to help, show them otherwise. Don't sit in front of that slot machine waiting for death to come. 
find another way. Don't let an election or a politician or a fucking media member decide your fate. One of my favorite movie quotes was from the Terminator franchise. There's no fate but what we make for ourselves. And that's true. Because if that wasn't true, I wouldn't be doing this podcast. I wouldn't be doing the YouTube channel. I wouldn't be working every day to improve the industry that I'm in and try every day to get someone to come on this podcast from the higher ups of Forest River and Winnebago and Grand Design and Keystone and blah, blah, blah. I can't get them to come on the podcast because they're scared of me. But damn it, I'm going to keep trying. All right. Until next time, have a great evening.